future is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast. 15 minutes of crypto failure. My name's Charles Story. I'll be your host for the next 15 minutes. We're coming live from the city of London, Shoreditch. So let's get down to business. Today's show is going to have a slightly different format. I have brought on the audio of my panel discussion that took place yesterday at the London FinTech Week. On the panel is Anish Mohammed, who's a, an advisor to Ripple Labs. We also had Dr. Yanis, um, who's a PhD in AI strategist. Had myself, Charles Story, head of strategic partnerships at SVK Crypto, and you also had Richard Brown, who's the CTO of R3. So, listen, let's jump to the panel and hear what the panelists have to say for themselves. Information Sciences Institute, Dr. Yanis, uh, oh gosh, Cal Fatugu, who's an AI strategist, uh, Charles Story, who's the head of strategic partnerships at SVK Crypto, and Richard Brown is the CTO of R3. But what I'd like each of them to do is to briefly introduce themselves. Okay, thank you, Matt. So, um, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Yanis. I'm involved in the blockchain space for the past uh, six years or so. Um, I was actually involved with a large uh, asset manager. I was uh, working with and uh, pioneered some of the early applications of uh, blockchain for uh, fees management and uh, distributed ledger technology. Prior to that, I had close to 26 years experience in, uh, in AI and uh, most advising a few startups in the space. And I'm excited to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. Richard. Hi everyone, I'm Richard Brown, I'm Chief Technology Officer at R3. Uh, for those of, those of you who don't know us at R3, uh, we're a software company, uh, we're behind the open source blockchain corner. Uh, but perhaps more famous, or were known originally as, um, as being um, as one of the world's first um, large blockchain consortia founded in 2015, focused on figuring out what the opportunity of blockchain in financial services and in business more general, what it might be. And, um, and once we figured that out, um, figuring out um, what needed to be built, the conclusion was there is a huge opportunity and the predictions will be related to that, um, but we needed to build a platform which is called an open source, um, it's been around for a few years now, gaining market share rapidly, um, and I guess in the most recent news is we just shipped our enterprise distribution, commercial distribution yesterday. Good stuff. Uh, my name's Charles Story, I'm Head of Strategic Partnerships at SVK Crypto which is a community-driven fund based here in the city of London, focusing on two aspects, blockchain technology and digital assets. Uh, most recently and most notably, we're backed by Block One. Um, so we joined the EOS VC syndicate with a $50 million um, investment. Hi there, my name is Anish. I'm kind of an old hat in the crypto space. I've been involved in a whole bunch of protocols, uh, all of it from academic institutes, or like SRH. I've advised uh, some well-known startups like Ripple, and uh, I'm part of the Ethereum Swamp team. Mostly I help people with the knowledge proofs, smart contract verification, the formal logic, and uh, a lot of cryptocurrency issues. Right, so if we start with, let's say, the business end or the use case end, uh, I'm interested to hear what each of you has got to think about or what you think is going to happen in the near future or what's happening now. Yanis, I know you've got some strong views on, on that. Yeah, so um, defining near future, let's say in the next year or so, um, I would see three things happening. One is uh, regulations are becoming uh, a little bit more clear and workable. Um, looking at, you know, from, from the big uh, moves out there from the SEC saying that the ETH is, uh, is not a security, all the way to the classification framework of the South Korean regulator to the SEC, some folks you know, um, receiving more and more startups in the DLT space. 
the Swiss um, uh, classification framework for blockchain. So I see this one has become a little bit more clearer, which is, uh, which is interesting. Uh, the second one is what I like to call the beyond, uh, beyond crypto and beyond coin. Uh, there is a lot of uh, interesting projects uh, that go beyond the financial services, uh, things like uh, supply chain uh, and also different consortia. Um, and then the, the third one I see is um, blockchain also involving um, a lot with regards to technology. Um, we are actually uh, have good experience now and um, you know successful stories with uh, protocols other than proof of work and different uh, protocols which actually tackle the efficiency issues of blockchain and scalability. Well, let's, let's come back to protocols. Yeah. So if we're talking about, for instance, kind of new use cases, um, Richard, you've got some views as to enterprise use cases, obviously. Yeah, so I guess if I was to predict, I guess we'll get to protocols and I say, if I was to predict what will happen in the next 12 months, certainly that kind of time frame. Um, I think it's, from my perspective, looking at the enterprise blockchain side, I think we're going to see that the, the vision that we've been working to for some years now actually becomes a reality. So the, the thing that we've been about three, and I guess in the enterprise blockchain space, the sort of the belief we've had, the vision has been that the opportunity of a blockchain has applied to, to business as opposed to the, the, parallel, um, uh, the, 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 the parallel world of public blockchains. It's all about moving from the, what the IT industry has done for the last 50, 60 years, which is allowing individual firms to optimize themselves and, and get more efficient, and move to a world where you can optimize entire industries by deploying software that brings participants in the trading network and the buyers and sellers in the market into consensus with each other, and we optimize the entire market. And of course, that's not been possible until recently, because whereas companies are inherently centralized and can deploy centralized tech, Market to decentralized and to optimize the market, um, unless you're going to force them into an inappropriately centralized model, you need decentralized software to optimize that market. Um, and that's what um, enterprise blockchain um, provides the, um, the ability to do. So, it's so a one prediction just look at something that's on the, um, on the train right now. There's a firm called Finastra, who've got a product coming out called, which is already out called Fusion Lendicom, works in the syndicated lending space. That is a decentralized market. Lots of people want to borrow, lots of people want to lend. There's no one, no one in the middle who's in charge. Um, and, um, but it's, it's, it's manual. It's, there's, there's no IT that automates that market because there's no one in the center to make it so. With the advent of blockchain, and, and in this case, for the platform that we're building, you're able to optimize that market, drive out a huge amount of cost and duplication and error, um, and that will then enable a whole bunch of secondary training in the future that will drive down borrowing costs and benefit everyone. Um, so my prediction is we'll see this, 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 this belief, this vision we've been working to for some years actually become a reality as individual markets, step by step, get optimized through the deployment of these decentralized technologies at market scale. That's what so, call this the example we're working So on. you mentioned about uh, lending Charles, you've got some users to use cases that go beyond financial services. Yeah, I do. But just to kind of go back to Richard's original point there, um, my prediction on that would be that every industry as we know that Im involves trust or is centered around trust is about to be changed. It's about to be, to be changed for the better, but the average user won't know that it's changed. Right? They won't know what's happened in the background, what tech has been upgraded. And I think that's something very important that a lot of people are probably overlooking and probably don't understand fully. That's really So have you got any particular examples of industries that you think are you know, coming through? Are you talking about tokenizing client industries? Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, look at compliance. Um, look at security, look at privacy. All of these industries evolve around trust. There's an element of trust there. And that's all about to be changed with blockchain technology. And that's something that um, we believe at SVK Crypto is um, something that's going to happen very quickly. And it's a process that's going to change for the better for everyone. Great, thank you.
Anish, what have you got to say about the front end? Are you Mr. Protocol? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 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 I will take it from where you kind of stop. So there's this concept for everybody that identity is an entity, and identity is something that's going to drive a lot of things. I fully agree with that. And one of the key drivers for any protocol to really allow people to interact is this uh, provenance and identity. Right now, most of the identity doesn't survive on the blockchain, and that's a challenge why most of the decentralized systems have. If the decentralized systems have to actually interact with the centralized system, they have to go through this bridge or the bottleneck, whichever way you want to call it, so you can actually do the identity provenance. You call it KML, AYC, whatever the hell you want to call it. And if you are going to have onboarding the whole billions of people along to this thing, the key thing to happen is this identity. You need to sort this identity scheme out for anything to happen. The other thing I would observe is like, I think the first speaker was kind of mentioning this, this is a regulatory uh, you know, thing, surge as I would describe is happening. And uh, one of the things that will really help and change the, the dynamics of the game is this clarity in securitized tokens and the infrastructure that actually will allow you to have securitized tokens. Now if you have a securitized token, you have no liquidity, you're done. So once you have that, and then everything else, everybody else is saying, until now, which is vaporware, will come reality. Right, okay. So, um, we kind of covered a few different things through the front end. I think we slipped in a bit into the back end there. Um, let, let, let's get in. Let's get in under under the under the bonnet and to do with. I mean, I, I guess the point, the big point you just made is that the stuff that's enabled, the the stuff that enables the scale use cases is going to be at the protocol layer. It's it, because currently the tech won't scale, and uh, you know I don't think there's any killer use cases at scale yet already. I don't think. Crypto money, the, the amount of transactions that go through, counts as a ubiquitous use case. You know, even though it's big numbers compared with cash, fiat, whatever. You know, the banking system, it's minuscule. So let's get into what we think is going to change in the protocol layer. Um, Anish, do you want to carry on from where you were? Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me what would change in the next, you know, 24 months, I, I probably would say a few things. Firstly, is this. Uh, you know, as I was describing, there's a surge, so I'm part of the Ethereum team, so there's a lot of these conversations that happen. So state channels, sharding, and that kind of innovation is actually going to increase the throughput. So that will actually get, get you to a level where the challenge you are describing previously, you know, will be solved to a degree. And at the same time, there's this class of things called zero-knowledge groups, which is essentially trying to prove to you that, you know, I know something without revealing what it is, which is very, very useful when privacy is in this question. That's the second part. And the third part is like the ability to actually have uh, you know, protocols that's in, in a way verified and published and being adopted, which is kind of tricky right now. The, the network effect isn't there. So you, you actually have one, two, and three, the network effect that actually will happen, will allow everybody to do whatever they want to do. Mm, yeah, just to add on to his point there, um, I think he forgot a really important bit. You mentioned at the end the network effects. Now, if you look at any protocol-based project, out there, um, one, the most important thing is a community, a community of developers, a community of coders, whatever it may be, to support that project. Ethereum, one of the reasons it's so powerful at the minute is because of the network effect. That's its, that's its biggest advantage. Now, if another platform or protocol out there had a, as big network effect, it would be even bigger than Ethereum. And I think that's the thing that most projects or blockchain-type projects overlook. It's the community. Without that, you're screwed. 
And how, how would you say for the, you know, what sort of timescale are you talking about for some of this tech to emerge and the associated communities, or do you think that's a massive barrier to innovation and entry? I think it's a massive barrier because, like, you meet so many different projects at the minute that are looking to use blockchain technology for no particular reason because they're looking to trade in on the hype, right? Like, that's what you find. And those guys are like, okay, we need to raise $15 million, and uh, 10 of that's going to be for marketing so we can basically get people to know who we are. Every great project that we've invested in or had anything to do with had zero marketing budget. They had a community. The community spoke to the greater community out there, and it built as a network effect, just like you mentioned of Ethereum. So you're talking about these things kind of breaking out, like, you know, uh, without, uh, due to circumstance as opposed to by design. I think if, it, if it's a good project, there will always be a strong community behind it. It's also a really good point. Um, there was a two-point doesn't pick up our community, and um, you know you've got a good use case when you don't have to describe it using the word blockchain. <laughs> so, so if you um, to take your community point, um, I was actually surprised by this because you know, it's actually with Corda. Corda is um, it's it, it started in finance, although it's more broadly applicable. I went to GitHub a few weeks ago for another reason to see how many unique individuals have contributed code to to the repo in the last year, the year right. two, the end of June. And I did the same for Go Ethereum, the same for Quorum, the same for Hyperledger Fabric. And I thought Corda would be sort of growing, but, but falling you know, bits for still there. It turned out Corda had, had more unique contributors in the last year than any of the other three, which, which, which really surprised me. And then it kind of resonated against us, how busy our Slack is. And, and, and we've done a bit of marketing, but, but not a huge amount. Right. People have independently discovered it and they're building on it, which kind of gives you the sense that when you're here trying to build a platform, trying to encourage people to build applications on top, it kind of gives you, it kind of gives you comfort or sort of confidence you're heading in the right direction. Um, and there's an end to your second point about um, I, I normally joke with my team, you know, I lead the technology team, not sales or the, uh, the services team in R3. Um, and whenever anyone comes to me with an idea or someone in the business comes to me with an idea, I say, well, explain it to me again, but this time tell me why it's useful without saying the word blockchain. You know, this thing is valuable to someone. You know, back, to the, back to the syndicated loan example, you know, if I can explain how I could reduce the cost of borrowing for large infrastructure projects by making it easier for borrowers to find lenders and do so with, with, with fewer, fewer errors, less risk, a broader number of people who can, who can lend to me and do it in a way that would then allow them to sell it on so they're not holding it on their, on their balance sheet for as long. That, that's valuable. You can, you can put a price behind it. And the fact that it runs on blockchain is just a convenient detail that enables it. It's not the reason for doing it because that would just be for hype reasons. Um, but there's possibly one other just quick point which I guess ties to the protocol piece is once you get to that point, as, as, as I guess we're in the fortunate position of, of being, you have to answer really hard questions because People don't log on to a blockchain node to figure out what the balance of their portfolio is. They've got existing applications and existing and existing departments to do that. So you've not only got to deploy your node and connect it to other nodes across the network and across the market, you have to connect it back to your own applications. So you've got to worry about firewall, security, and how you actually integrate with your databases and all the rest. And I think what we'll see in the coming months and, and, and years as, as things like, certainly for me, Corda Enterprise, but other, other firms have, 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 have equivalents is, um, it's design decisions that didn't seem important a year or so ago will really come, come to the fore and will prove to be important. If you've gone with a point-to-point approach, you can get it deployed. If you've gone with a gossip approach, you'll struggle. So things that seem unimportant in the protocol layer will really, will really show that they'll have, they'll really prove to have important business implications in, in, in the coming months and years because you simply won't be able to deploy some of these architectures at scale to solve real business problems. I can see Anish is eager to jump in without the B word. No use of the B word. <laughs> no, I won't use that. So uh, the thing I was about to say was I, I did some analysis for the ICO tokens for the Strata Pro. Strata had a big data conference and I had a submission for that. What I've actually done is looked at the projects and how projects normally do like 
you know, uh, bring up the hype. And un unfortunately, one of the things I noticed is they put in, they do a lot of trickery, even in GitHub. Okay? I'm not saying that's what it's happening. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth of the fact that I found. So there are lots of people that gave there's a correlation between the value of a token and GitHub comments. There's a strong correlation. So there's been a lot of gaming that's happening. And the other thing I wanted to kind of mention is, is we don't have a token. Thankfully, so <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, you know, you're, you're lucky you escaped it. But if you can actually look at, and you would, if you really carefully analyze it, what you recognize it, they're adding spaces. They're adding spaces and comments. Okay? I'm sorry, just, this is just such a, for me, that was Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, but like Alan saw that point, Microsoft just bought it for $17 billion. Yeah. So the true value there is the developers within that, right? Yeah. Like that's the value. Looking at that as, a, as an indicator to an ICO, like I don't know if that's the real that's value of GitHub, you know what I mean? That's a correlation. What did I say? It's yeah, a correlation. Right, I don't know what you use to value uh, you know, any token. There's sure. very little that's out there. I analyzed 400, okay? So I looked at a lot of criteria. I, liked, uh, I started out with like 27 pizza vectors I reduced it down. So for me, it was like a lot of it is just marketing. There's a direct correlation of the amount of money people spend for marketing to the money they raise in that sense. Yeah, but so, I wonder what the correlation is of how successful that project is over five months. That, the amount of marketing they spend, yeah, right? Yeah, I reckon that, it drops off. This is like a, literally a separate one. If you look at NBD for most of the things, it's close to zero, right? So you know, most of them don't have a block, you know, so-called whatever that you call it underneath it, right? So the protocol that can consume this token and give you anything back. So if nothing exists, you tell me what's the value for whatever bid you raise. I mean, the, the thing is, in, in lots of other spheres of tech, the best tech didn't win. It was to do with usage and yeah, mass, yeah. Yeah. coolness, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yanis, you've got some points to do with the new frontiers. Yeah, I think with the Gaslight Protocol, um, again, from an enterprise application perspective, uh, working with different guys and industries, uh, one of the most important things is onboarding. And I think one of the things that we're seeing with the Gaslight Progress is that you have to have the ability to uh, bringing whatever solution you want to do with blockchain, you know, the flavors of you already mentioned all of them anyway, without really having to have uh, too much heavy lifting to do, because there has to be a huge justification with regards to uh, switching off or, um, you know, transitioning from existing system to a new system. Uh, and I think this is progressing nicely because there is a few applications out there that will allow you to do that. And with the Gelsler protocol, um, originally it was actually very fat protocol and few applications. Now uh, I'd like to see more. Um, interoperability between the different chains and more uh, intelligence on the application level, the, the DAPs, the distributed apps, and then the protocol has been as thin as possible and be able to be plugged into existing infrastructure in, uh, in large enterprises. Yeah, Anish has already talked about sharding. Uh, you know, I would probably add something to that. What he's kind of referring to is the value cuts in the, uh, in the base protocol and the application protocol. Okay. And that's a big problem. As, a, as an efficiency metric, if you were to look at blockchain protocols and compare it to the traditional protocols like SCGP or whatever else, you can see that the value that's being captured in the traditional so-called blockchain protocol is so high, it doesn't give any incentive to anybody to go, you know, build like what I would describe like a Facebook or Google in that sense, at this moment in time. Right. Yeah, the, the, the DAP layer, if I may add to us, yeah. the, the DAP layer, if you make it really sophisticated and that's where maybe AI or other technologies can come, then that could be one of the very easy ways to do morphing because basically given the protocol layer, which is an easy plug into existing infrastructure, and there is actually an aggregate value of trillions of dollars in that infrastructure in, in large enterprises, and then on top of it, they build their own sophisticated commercial models using uh, sophisticated DAPs. 
Yeah, that's all going to come though. Like, it's just going to take a little bit of time. Oh yeah, it's not like that's yeah, that's going to that's going to. Once you start designing in that front, then you actually can go somewhere pretty soon. Yeah. All right, guys. Time's up. We're going to move to questions. So can we switch it over? I've been told that the the audience likes to put the questions on uh, on Slido and, and and not via microphone. So if anyone would like to verbally ask a question, you're very welcome. Please raise your hand. Otherwise, we'll go to the Slido questions. So, oh, we've got one up here. Okay, let's take one up here. So, like, the most of the company uh, accepting the blockchain technology, but they accept uh, it's not decent. Like, so how do you solve this problem? So companies centralized, but they're just accepting the blockchain technology. Well, I can take a step of that because it maybe ties into questions who's there as well. So where's it going? What about which protocol will survive? Because I think it's the same question. Yeah. So 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 if I understand your question, it was um, how can you play blockchain so decentralized? Centralized, but yeah. they're just accepting the decentralized technology. Yeah. So, there's, so, so there's how do you make the company decentralized? Yes. Yeah, so there's a certain. Is there any regulations? Uh, yeah. The centralized company. Promoting a, a decentralized blockchain. So, so there's a question here, which is which five protocols do I think will survive in five years? And my answer to that is essentially also the answer to that question, which is as we were, because we're, 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 we're a company, we're an American company, so with an open source decentralized blockchain, so it's exactly the situation you described. The, the thought process you went through was, you know, in the enterprise blockchain space, what do we think it would take to allow this software to get deployed successfully in a way that clients will accept and adopt? And the conclusion we reached was, because this software has to be deployed to be successful and valuable, has to be deployed at the level of a market by multiple market participants, the network effect and the, um, the difficulty to subsequently change it is high. And therefore, people will not accept deployment of proprietary software. That base layer has to be open. It has to be open standards, openly governed, right. open source. This is, that's just, it's, just, it's just obvious. And, and that's why Cooler is open source. It's why but, but, it's but in answer to your question, not every business yeah. needs blockchain technology. Like, that's just true. It's not like... You know, going to solve all your problems using blockchain. Well, I mean, I think the general, the general point is you're talking about governance processes. So, 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 for example, if you look, I mean, this is a challenge with all protocols. So, for, I mean, I kind of alluded to when I said when the decentralized world meets the centralized world, right? So, what I was referring to is you could take protocol sets like you know. Take any protocol, take Ethereum, take uh, Linux. Like Linux, if you want to really have source code checked in into the kernel, it goes through a process, a very centralized process. Similarly, a very centralized process exists even in Ethereum. If you look at Bitcoin, even though it says it's very decentralized, there are key actors that are very centralized that actually control this decision-making governance process. I mean, until now, we don't have a truly de decentralized governance process on blockchain that's bootstrapped that works in a decentralized manner yet. Okay, so moving to that question, yeah. uh, would you care to name any protocols that you think are still going to be active at scale in five years' time? Bitcoin is definitely going to be here in five years' time. Active to scale, probably not, but I mean, it's got its place, right? That's, that's what it is. Ethereum, I'm sure, is still going to be here. Uh, big believers in EOS. Um, I think Neo are doing some pretty cool stuff. And Cardano, we're waiting to see if they can actually execute. But I've got some hope for those guys. 
I want to say a big thank you to Luis, um, who's one of the organizers of the London FinTech Week. I thought it was an amazing, amazing event. I thought it was really cool how they tried to incorporate blockchain into the event itself. They had two days actually focused around that itself. So it was great to be part of that. I also want to say a big thank you to everyone that, that rocked up and asked lots of questions. Um, well, listen, that's a wrap. I got to bounce. Um, as always, remember to join um, us on Telegram, which is SVK Space Crowd. Hit us up on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. And you can email myself at cstory at svkcrypto.com, which is C-S-T-O-R-R-Y at svkcrypto.com. You've been listening to an SVK Crypto Podcast original. Follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. Email us on CSTory at SVKcrypto.com. Leave us a message on our website, www.svkcrypto.com.